Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited today to be joined by sports director at KSBY, Casey Busher. Casey talks about putting yourself out there and not getting discouraged by the nose, how to differentiate your reporting to get the most out of your stories, keeping your end goal in mind, and much, much more. We have a lot of fun on this episode, and you guys are going to love it. So make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Casey, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Thanks for having me. So excited. Me too. I've been so excited to talk to you. And so let's jump in and and get into your story. So if you could start, and I have everyone start this way, by taking us through your professional journey to this point. Yeah. uh, I went to Texas Tech for undergrad. And at Texas Tech, I worked within the athletic communications office and did a lot of PR there. And then following Texas Tech, I wanted to go to Syracuse and kind of just get more broadcasting experience. So I did a one year's master's program at Syracuse University. And I studied broadcast and digital journalism where I worked for the athletics department at Syracuse and also did some work with the ACC network and sideline reporting and analyst work. And following Syracuse, I did my capstone for the program with WPRI in Providence, Rhode Island, where I worked uh, the New England Patriots training camp. So that was awesome. And then I got my first job in the industry as a sports reporter at Fox West Texas. Mm -hmm. And we covered everything from Abilene to San Angelo to Lubbock, basically just covered all of West Texas and... Then after a year there, I um, got the sports director job at KSBY where I'm currently at. Fantastic. So if you could take us through, for the layman, uh, what exactly does a sports director do? What what does the job description entail? Because I actually believe you are our first sports director on this podcast. Uh, and I obviously know, know what they do, but I'd love our listeners just to kind of learn a little bit about what your responsibilities are. Yeah, so we are anchors mainly as sports directors. So Monday through Friday, I anchor the sports cast, and we have a 6 mm-hmm. o'clock, 10 o'clock, and an 11 o'clock show. Then I tape the morning shows as well. So mainly I anchor, but also sometimes I'll go out in the fields and I'll go live, and then our weekend anchor will you know anchor the weekdays. Um, but we basically do everything. We If we have a story that we want to do, um, I'll go out and I'll film um, the story, get B-roll, Uh, I'll find the stories myself as well. Go conduct interviews. I do get a photographer when I go live. So that's really nice. But overall, I do everything in the department. So if you can expand upon that, and the reason I ask is something that we talk about on this podcast, especially in this day and age, is people are starting out and they want to work in sports media. You know, how important it is to be able to do so many different things and perhaps sometimes be a one-woman band. I know you said that when you go live, you do have a photographer, but if you could just expand a little bit about 
on like what that means to be doing everything and maybe a story or anecdote about how you got to that place and really learned, you know, how to have all these different skill sets. I think that's the most important thing with getting into this industry is being able to do everything. When I was at Syracuse, we were basically MMJs throughout the whole year, throughout classes and and any projects that we would do, we would go shoot, we would edit, we would produce our stories and then put it all together. And that's exactly what I'm doing in the industry now. I think over the years, uh, they're kind of coming, cutting back on photogs, even in Mm -hmm. bigger markets, they're not really having photographers often. So you have to be able to shoot your own stuff, especially when you're starting out. And that goes from filming to editing to putting everything all together. So I think it's very important. And I definitely wouldn't have my job if I didn't uh, if I wasn't able to do ever everything. So of all those things, what was the most challenging for you to learn how to do? Ooh, uh, I would say just the overall grind of being on deadline and doing everything on your own, you know, just, just something as simple as carrying your, you know, live view pack, your camera, your tripod to and from shoots from your car and then getting back to the station, hustling and trying to get everything produced for the six o'clock show or whatever time your show's at. Um, that was always really difficult. Just, you know, timing out your day to be able to get your story in on time. I think that uh, was the hardest thing to adjust to. That's that's understandable. That is, that is a lot. And I think deadline is a very interesting thing. And I think it's something that aspiring journalists really need to think about and be prepared for because you know, you got to get a story in at a certain time. And I, I do think that's really important. So it's, I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, it's very important for sure. So what is a lesson that you received early? I know you are still, you know, relatively early in your career, but even earlier, and it could have been in college or at Syracuse, you know, wherever. What is a lesson that you received that was a little bit difficult at the time and a hard one to learn, but has really helped to make you a, a better journalist? Oh, that's a good one. I think just paying your dues is something that, you know, I maybe have two degrees and I feel like I went to a really good broadcasting school, but I still had to start in a small market and work my way up and work really hard to get the job that I have now. And I, I am still very new in my career, but it's not just given to you. You're not just going to be on the NFL network one day or on ESPN. Mm -hmm. You have to pay your dues, work extremely hard. And I think that eventually that pays off, but also just one other thing that I think is really important in this industry. And something I learned early on is how small it is. It seems like it's really massive, but also a lot of people, you know, know, know everyone. And so being kind and just being a good person to everyone that you encounter, whether that's an athlete, coach, reporter, whether they're, you know, farther ahead in their journey or, you know, maybe in college still just being nice to everyone, because if you're not nice, people will remember that. And I think it catches up with you in the end. Oh, I think you are a hundred percent right. And you know, it's, it's almost kind of sad, but we do have to remind people to be nice. And it's so much easier to be nice. So much less energy is expended to just be nice. Uh, but it is, it is so important because people do remember. And like you said, it is a very small industry. So I think that is a very important thing to, uh, to remind people of all the time. When did you first know that you wanted to work in sports journalism? Well, I grew up playing sports, so basically my whole life has been sports from being an athlete, just with my family. We, My whole family loves sports, so it's always just been the main thing in my life, but 
uh, growing up, I was like, okay, well, I want to be in the WNBA or I want to be the first girl in the NBA. I would always tell people that. And mm-hmm. then um, once I was like a senior in, in high school, I wasn't getting D1 offers because I'm small and, you know, not that tall, can't jump that high. Anyways, so I knew I wanted to work in sports because I wasn't going to be a college athlete. So um, once I got to Texas Tech, I showed up to the women's basketball practice one day and I was like, hey, can I work for your team? So that was kind of like my first opportunity within sports. And I just wanted to be around it. And then when I was in PR, I hated being behind the scenes so much. I just really wanted to be in the action and be with the players and the coaches and everything. So that's kind of when I knew when I'd be watching reporters um, that I wanted to do that. So that's kind of how I uh, discovered that I wanted to be in reporting. How has, how did being an athlete help you now, whether it be a work ethic thing, whether it be being able to relate to other athletes, how do you think that could have helped you in your career at this point? I think it definitely helped with work ethic because growing up playing sports, which so many people in the industry did, uh, you just develop that work ethic. Every single day you're grinding, you have to get your workouts in, you have to get your shots up, whatever it is. And that's my day in the life now. I, I am constantly you know, trying to find stories, working on deadline, making relationships. It's the same kind of grind and work ethic, maybe just not like the blood, sweat, and tears kind of grind. But And then I think it also helps me relate a lot with athletes um, and especially basketball players just because that was like my life growing up. Um, Just having that same passion for sports, even though I'm maybe not playing it anymore, I still love basketball as much as I did back when I was 15 years old. What has been one of your most rewarding uh, work experiences to date? Most rewarding? I think the coolest experience I've ever had was working the World Series last year because it was just the biggest event that I've ever seen. Um, And I've never been to NBA Finals or the Super Bowl or anything in that regard. I've been to a national championship, but I think the World Series was just so special. And it was during a time where, you know, with COVID – we didn't have sports for so long. And then we were able to have the World Series in Arlington. And there was some fans in the stands. But I think just the whole year of 2020, we really noticed how much we miss sports and also just how much they bring people together. So during that time of the World Series, I thought it was like so special just to see people come together. And then for the Dodgers to win it, and it was so historic. Um, that entire experience was amazing and I was so lucky that I was able to be there so I think overall working the World Series was the coolest thing that I've done you know this because you follow me but you literally could not have picked a better epic work memory to date that was the for me that was the absolutely best one ever Uh, I was one of those fans in the stands for a couple of those games Uh, and it was very exciting and um, I keep thinking about that World Series because they're not in the World Series this year which is I know for me Too bad it wasn't a repeat, but at least we got last year for sure. Yes, 100%. Well, that is awesome. And you bring up a really good thing with 2020. Of course, we didn't have sports for so long. There was so much uncertainty. And I think we saw how much sports really does bring people together and how important it is for us. It really is one of a kind. And I think it's the one thing in the whole world, maybe besides music, that even if you don't even like sports, like everyone comes together for Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's just not controversial, you know? It's it's just sports. And you see people 
who are the best of the best uh, doing what they love. And it's just something that always brings people together, no matter what the sport is. Yeah, you are 100% correct on that. You really are. Changing gears a little bit, as you have progressed in your career and you've seen people that you went to school with, you know, move into this career path, what is a misstep you're seeing women make when trying to break into the sports industry? Ooh, that's a good one. I even thought about this. Um, I think something that I've noticed, and I didn't really experience it. I feel like I've always just been someone that fearlessly applies for, you know, any job, like any opportunity. I just kind of put myself out there because I'm used to getting no's for sure. Even though I'm early on, like I'm used to getting a bunch of emails that say, Hey, you didn't get the job. Hey, you didn't get the internship, whatever. But I've encountered a few younger women, people ahead of me, maybe that wouldn't apply for things that because they don't feel equipped or they don't feel like they have enough experience and things like that. I think that that's, stupid. I think that you should apply for anything and everything. Let's say you only have two years of experience and a job says you need five. Well, they might interview you and think you're amazing and they want you for the role. And I think a lot of men that I know in the industry also just fearlessly apply for everything. And sometimes I see women and like some young women who don't. And um, I think that's something that uh, more women just need to be you know, believe in themselves and have and have the confidence just to apply for everything because we're already gonna get a bunch of no's, no matter if we're qualified for some jobs or not. That's common with this industry. So I think just putting yourself out there, whether you're ready or not, is something that's uh, really important. And and talking about the no's, because as you said, that is a very big part of this industry. How do you? not get discouraged and let yourself say, okay, that's a no, but you know, the next one could very well be a, a yes, because I think that's a difficult thing in this industry is, is for people not to get discouraged. It absolutely is. I think in the beginning, it was really difficult to receive no's, you know, whether that was like for internships in college or whatever. Um, but I feel like I've always, I feel like I hear this a lot, but I've always just kind of dealt with adversity. Like I remember when I was a sophomore, basketball player and, and I didn't make the varsity even a junior I didn't even make the varsity my junior year and I felt like I was one of the best people in the whole program so I, I was constantly getting no's um throughout sports in my life I feel like um so I was kind of prepared in that sense and even in college I I feel like I just wasn't really that good at school I just never was really super amazing at anything <laughs> so for me, I knew getting into this industry, it was going to be extremely competitive because that's what everyone always told me, especially because I wasn't a college athlete. I always felt like I was a little bit behind because mm -hmm. we see so many college athletes who are analysts now and, um, you know, make, make quicker strides in the industry because of their experience of being, you know, a higher athlete and stuff. So I was always kind of prepared for that. And um, I was also just prepared for, you know, being able to move wherever the job was and things like that. Like that stuff never really scared me. But I also just keep the end goal in mind of what I want and like what is the ultimate dream. And everyone's journey is different. And some people have to work way harder to get to that end goal, whether that's on ESPN or whatever. And some people get a little bit easier of a path. But I think in my mind, I always just keep that end goal in mind. Um, and that keeps me going. That's awesome. And what is the end goal? Is there a specific end goal? 
Well, I, it's because basketball has just been such a prominent thing in my life. I always grew up wanting to be like the Dallas Mavericks reporter or mm-hmm. work with that Fox Sports Southwest, which I guess is now Bally Sports broadcast. But um, I guess for an example, Kristen Ledlow like has like mm-hmm. my dream job, just working on NBA TNT um, okay. and just working with NBA is kind of my dream. Well, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I think I think there's a very high likelihood that that will happen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what is a criticism that you received early on that was difficult to take but really helped you? And, and for a little context, I ask all of our guests this, and I always give this kind of caveat for people. You can give more than one, but it could certainly be something that someone said that was so ridiculous and it was a learning experience as to who to listen to and who not to, or it was something very constructive that was difficult to hear or maybe not your favorite thing to hear, but has really helped you. I think something that's always stuck with me, which I think most people would think because I'm a woman and uh, in sports that it's always like something about being a female, but I really haven't received that much criticism about being a female. Like I just haven't got that yet. I know I will. And maybe there's a lot of people talking and I just haven't heard it um, kind of thing, but I haven't really received that negativity yet about being a woman in the industry, but something that always stuck with me whenever I started doing, you know, live stuff at Syracuse, whether that was like being an analyst or sideline reporting, whatever it was, um, was just adding context to, to a broadcast. What can I provide that's not just, oh yeah, he's really fast or something like super bland and the common viewer would know. I think just finding like the little nuggets that no one knows about um, and that's what I kind of try to do in storytelling. What are some stories out in the community that I can tell that maybe no one knows about? Or what angles can I dive into that are different that's going to provide the viewers with knowledge of something they don't already know? So that's something that I really struggled with early on. I think I would just kind of say the most generic thing, maybe because I was nervous of going live and things like that. But that's mm-hmm. what I try to work on now is not just saying, Oh, he ru- he has he had 800 rushing yards last game and five touchdowns. Okay, well, what else? What else did he do? Because anyone can mm-hmm. just look up a stat line. So that's something I'm trying to do, and that's not easy to do because it requires more effort, more relationship building to find those little nuggets. But I think that that's what makes you a really good reporter if you can find those things. And what are your tips for relationship building? Um, I think the biggest thing that I always got advice on when it came to relationship building is not expecting anything out of them. Like a coach, mm-hmm. I don't need to go up to him hoping to get something out of him every single time. I need to, you know, find out about his family, who's his wife, who are his kids, and find out who they are outside of football. Maybe not every single conversation that you have with a coach is about football. And just kind of like learning who they are outside of the sport and when they're not coaching. I think that's the biggest thing that's helped me with building relationships. That's really good advice and important advice because that is what's going to, as you said even earlier, you know, make you a better reporter, give you a better story, and just all around give you good relationships within the industry. Going back to what you were saying before about it being a small industry, you want to be respected and you want to be trusted. And that's part of the whole thing. Do you want an all-star team? Well, you need an all-star hiring partner. You need Indeed. 
Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want, a short list of quality candidates as fast as possible. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed got you. Don't even worry about it. They can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. How have you seen opportunities grow for women in the sports industry and how do you think we can still improve? I think we've come such a long way and I'm, and I'm a young person saying that, but when I talk to some of my older mentors about how women have grown in the industry, it's tremendous from what they tell me. But even just from growing up, I didn't really see a lot of women on TV. Maybe Mm -hmm. like, you know, if I were to turn on ESPN, I usually just watch ESPN all morning long. Um, And basically every show that I watch on ESPN, there's a woman Mm -hmm. at the table, which is so cool. But growing up, it wasn't like that. And and I feel like the main women that broke out in the beginning, besides like Doris Burke, and was all sideline reporters, which is great. Sideline reporting is an awesome job, and it's not an easy one at that. But there's women in different roles now. Like we see Mina Kimes as an analyst on NFL Live, and we're seeing more women in the booth and calling baseball games and more women in analyst chairs. And I think that's amazing. But there is still so much more to grow. And especially in those analyst roles, um, having more women in those roles. But so far, like we are doing amazing. But I think it'd be cooler to see more women in not just the host role or the sideline role. Yes, more women are probably even in producers roles and head of networks and and front offices, all of the things. Uh, but we are, you are correct. There is progress being made for sure. Still a long way to go, but definitely progress being made. You mentioned mentors. So is there someone you have as a mentor or do you have a few mentors that each one kind of provides a different area of mentorship? Yeah, I think, um, I have a few really amazing women mentors, but also Mm -hmm. it's so special to have men mentors in the role in the industry as well. Um, Laura Oakman is someone that like I've really bonded with over the last Mm -hmm. few years. She's been amazing to me and also just so many women across the industry. And I think it's because she gets it and she is Mm -hmm. so obsessed with seeing other women succeed, which is really hard to find. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she's just special. I think that she's going to continue to change this industry in ways that we don't even see yet. Um, but yeah, she's amazing. Ed Warder is someone that I've really made a good relationship with also through Laura. Uh, he's incredible and he covers the Cowboys, which is my team. And we mm-hmm. bonded so much on that. And I think it's like the person he is outside of work who um, he's just a good person and he cares about people. And he doesn't look at me as like a young woman in the business. He just looks at me as someone in the business who is trying to get better every day. So yeah, I think mentorship though is just so important for, this industry. 
for sure. Is there anything that you are doing kind of on a daily basis or a weekly basis to continue to perfect and hone in on your craft? I, for a long time, um, before, like I, when I first started getting this job, I would look in the mirror and I would just say reps Mm -hmm. and I would watch games and take notes and act like I'm doing a sideline hit and, uh, work on my voice. And I still need to keep doing that, um, for sure. But it's, it's just kind of like what I do outside of the station that I think is going to keep getting me better. Um, and then also my last job, I would go live out in the field every single day with no video over me. I would just go live for like a minute 30 in the sports block and just talk about the match of that week or the team I was covering and just being able to go live without a script and being able to just ad lib helped me so much. So I think just going live and getting reps is really important. Now, would you, just to clarify, when you were going live in your last job, that was for work or that was just something you would be doing to practice? That was not for work, but, or sorry, it was for work. And then before like my live hits, like on my way to the live hit location, I would just ad lib in the car about random things and act like I was reporting. So I think just like the, like the consistent reps was so important. And then it helped me when it came to my work live hits as well. I'm so glad you mentioned both of those things because for the people who are listening, this is, you know, this is a tough industry to get into. And as, as we talked about earlier, you're going to get a lot of no's probably before you start getting a lot of yeses. And it's so important to hone your craft in any way that you can. So whether it be, I love the idea of watching a game and pretending as if you're reporting on it. I love the idea of looking in the mirror of doing reps, you going on your Instagram live and saying like, let's talk about the, you know, the Warriors Kings game and just talking it through. Let's talk about the Mavericks game. And and even if it's for a minute or two, it just gives you such good practice. So I'm so glad that you mentioned those things because I imagine that experience really ends up being very valuable. It really does. And I think once you're starting to do all these reps on your own, you don't really understand like how much it helps you later on. Because when I'm not putting in the reps on my own or even at work, or if I'm just not doing reps, I notice sometimes after the weekend, even if I just have mm-hmm. two days off that Monday, it's a little bit harder than it was on Friday. So I think just doing it every single day and getting those reps and becoming more comfortable in front of the camera, especially when you don't have scripts, I think that's the most important because then you become conversational and it is really more comforting to the viewer and they feel like you're their friend rather than just reading a script. Absolutely. And I think conversational is so incredibly important. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think gone are the days of next up on the sports broadcast. You know, you want to, exactly. you people want to relate to you and it's sports and it's fun. And you want to feel like you're talking to your friends about sports because that's what we love about it is, is that bonding just as we spoke about earlier. Uh, so I would love kind of along those lines, if you could take us through a day in the life of Casey Busher. So a good day in the life of Casey Busher. Um, I don't go into work until 2.30. So I try to get up, make breakfast, work out, and then I'll check my work phone, see if anyone is like texting me stories or anything that they want me to cover, just random coaches or athletes in the area. And if they don't, if I don't, I always try to get a local story for the day or at least like a VO or something, something local that I can talk about that's timely. So for example, today I texted a few coaches about story ideas that I had throughout the week and set up interviews for throughout the week. So I basically have something Monday through Friday to cover. Mm -hmm. And then 
when I go in at 2.30, I prep for the 6 o'clock show and anchor it from the studio. And then after that, and then I'll also go on shoots before the 6 o'clock show. So if I have a shoot set up today, I'll go out and make sure I get everything shot before the 6 o'clock. I'll come back, I'll edit, and then I'll put together my sportscast and the rundown. I'll anchor the 6, and then I have a little dinner break. And then we also have a 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock show. So usually, because of Pacific time, a lot of the games won't even be done until after the 6 o'clock show. So Mm -hmm. I'll air games in the 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock show. And I was straying away from highlights, but I've actually noticed that um, a lot of viewers really want highlights. So A's, um, Angels, Dodgers, Giants, I covered that throughout baseball season. And... Um, you know, cause you can just get those highlights from ESPN. Why do you need to watch your local news? So that's kind of always the mindset that I've had is just cover local, cover regional. But I've noticed lately that a lot of viewers have been asking for, you know, those highlights. So anyways, so I do do some highlights as well, but I try to find the local stories and then, um, 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and then I'll be done around like 1130 at night. And that is a long day. And the reason I always ask this and, and listeners of this podcast know this is, you know, I want our listeners to know that it's, it sounds really glamorous and fun. And at times it certainly is, but it's hard work. It's long hours. It's yeah. a lot of work. And even what you just said about your, you know, talking to people and looking for stories during the week. I think when you're not in this industry, there may be a perception that those things kind of just fall in your lap. Like, oh, well, there's all the stuff going on. So you just have your stories, but no, we have to work for those stories. And, and what could you tell that's maybe different than someone else is telling? Exactly. Uh, that's honestly more effort, you know, reaching out, finding stories than the sports cast, honestly, like finding unique stories. I've kind of struggled with that with this area is finding like a, a good adversity stories um, since I've moved here. But it's also because I'm new and I don't know mm-hmm. people as well. So those relationships develop over time. And now I finally have coaches reaching out to me saying, hey, you need to cover this. This is a really cool story. Let me tell you about one of my student athletes. So um, yeah, that's a lot of effort and energy, but that's also the best part of the job is building those relationships and telling the stories that you know make the families smile whenever they see it on TV. So that's definitely the best part, but it's also the most work. And that's the funny thing is, is this job is such a grind. And whenever I was in college, I did not expect it to be like this. You know, Mm -hmm. you're doing your own makeup, you're doing your own hair, you're finding your own outfits. uh, And you're not making that much when you're starting out. So Mm -hmm. it's an overall grind all around. And usually you're living in a place that's not your home. So it's just an overall grind overall. But um, I think I think it's worth it. This is not a specific sports related question or related to exactly what you do, but you brought something up that I think is interesting. Obviously, people do have to be open to moving and taking opportunities that they find to be exciting, but it may not be exactly where they thought they'd be location-wise, you know, geographically, but they they take those positions. Do you have any tips for, you know, moving to a new city? And this could work for any industry and kind of settling in and, and making yourself at home and kind of cultivating a life there. It was super weird for me because I came from Texas in November of 2020, where, Mm -hmm. you know, November 2020 in Texas, it was completely normal. No one was wearing masks, you know, all this. I mean, I was wearing masks still, but you know what I mean. And then I moved to California and we don't even have restaurants open here at the time. So it was a super big adjustment just moving during COVID. So I was like, all right, how am I going to find friends? 
but mm-hmm. over time it just kind of worked out. I was very open to everything. I wanted to meet people who knew nothing about sports. I was trying to meet people who knew about sports, but I just had friends from all different areas of life when I first moved here. And that was pretty cool. But then gradually things started opening up and restaurants started opening up. Um, but I think if you are in this industry, the first thing that I did is I found the contacts of all the coaches in the area and I reached out to them and said, Hey, I'm new here. I'm Casey. I know those sports are going on because of COVID, but I just want you to know who I am. If you think of any stories, send them my way. So I just introduced myself to all of the coaches in the area and also to some athletes. I followed everyone on Twitter in the area and on Facebook. So I was pretty plugged in. I also was just on a bunch of random Facebook groups within the area so I could get more familiar. But with this move, I was really, really down to just be all in. In my last mm-hmm. in my last station, I was not all in. Um, with okay. the area because I was two hours from Dallas. So I went home nearly every weekend. Um, okay. I was two hours from Texas Tech, which is where I went to school. So, I mean, I was never there on the weekends. But here, okay. I was like, all right, this place is amazing. and I'm going to make it my home. So, and that's really what I've done. I've looked back now. It's been a year since I've moved here. And I have no regrets with how I've just approached everything. And it's really has, it like feels like a home now. So I think just going all in with your move is so important. And that's how you get the best stories as well when it comes to work. But it's also how you get happiness and how you find friends (laughs) and things like that. So um, yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. Oh, that's awesome. That makes me happy here. You can tell in your voice, honestly. You can tell how you how you're talking about it that you are very happy where you are and excited to be there. So that is that is fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I obviously can't let you go yet because we have to do five fun facts, but I do want to thank you so much for your candor and for sharing your story because I think it's really interesting and you gave a lot of good nuggets and tidbits in there of advice. So I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. But first, before I let you go, of course, it is time for five fun facts. And on this podcast, we ask all of our guests the same fun facts. Uh, And it's been great because we get so many different answers. So without further ado, five fun facts with Casey Busher. What is your favorite moment in sports? That's tough, but I think nothing will ever beat this moment. Uh, In 2011, at... The NBA Finals, it was Mavericks, Miami Heat. Right after the Heat formed their super team with Bosch, LeBron, and Dwayne Wade. And it was Dirk's second go-around. And I'm a diehard Dirk fan and Mavs fan, obviously. But it was Dirk's um, opportunity to win a ring. So it was like almost kind of like the last opportunity it felt like. We had a veteran team, and, and they won the finals. And I still remember that day when they won, um, like it was yesterday. It was the coolest moment ever. And yeah, nothing's ever going to beat that, especially because it was against LeBron and they just formed that super team. So pretty special. What is your life motto? I've always wanted to get the tattoo fearless on me. Just that's always Mm -hmm. been my motto. I don't, I just try to approach situations fearlessly. I know it sounds really cliche, but being fearless is my motto. I think that's awesome. What is your go-to workout? I go to Orange Theory. Okay. Go-to. Your go-to coffee order? Ice vanilla latte with either oat milk or almond milk. And a book every woman should read? Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It's a great book. It is a fantastic book. Uh, Casey, thank you so much again for joining me today. 
Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. And it was so nice to talk to you finally. You as well. And if you guys like what you heard, which I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Bye, all. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.